This podcast is brought to you by Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, a nonprofit organization that works to dismantle incarceration, detention, surveillance, and criminalization in all its form. Learn more about us and how to support our work at brooklynbailfund.org or by following us on Twitter at BK Bail Fund. Hello, 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 listeners. So over the last couple of weeks, you may have read that a surge of Haitian migrants, um, over 14,000 according to some reports, have approached the U.S.-Mexico border at Del Rio, Texas. Um, In particular, a large group um, has set up a camp um, at the border in hope of claiming asylum in the U.S. Um, We wanted to take some time and do just a, a quick episode um, just to demystify um, what's happening at the border for our listeners and let you know what you can do to help. Um, so now anyone that has been paying attention to migration from Haiti um, or any, any of the issues facing um, Haiti over the last few months would not be surprised by this news in and of itself. And here's why. Um, you know, as we all know, over the summer, there was a coup in Haiti where the president was assassinated um, and other government officials were deposed. Um, you know, violence and protests in Haiti were taking place before the coup. Um, there were reports um, of protests outside of the president's house as early as March. Um, unfortunately, he was assassinated over the summer. And then subsequently, after his assassination, there was an outbreak of violence, um, a lot of which was at the hands of Haitian, the Haitian police and the Haitian military. Um, and it left, um, you know, it left um, many people homeless. Um, it left many people in fear of um, government oppression, um, afraid of um, the police clampdown, afraid of the military clampdown. Um, now, last month, um, what we're, I'm record- recording this in September, um, and just a few weeks ago, actually, there was a, an earthquake, um, 5.0, that measured 5.0 on the Richter scale, which um, really devastated large parts of the country, um, causing a food shortage, loss of housing stock, and basic necessities, and making a large part of Haiti inhabitable. Um, and so, you know, that's what that, this is what's happened in Haiti so far this year. And of course, we have COVID layered on top of that. But the migration flow of Haitians to the U.S.-Mexico border actually began um, long before this summer. Um, migrants from Haiti have been making the trek from the country um, through South and Central America and Mexico to the U.S. border since at least 2016. And many of those migrants started making that journey in the aftermath of the 2010 earthquake. And so this has been, you know, this has been going on um, and happening for quite a while. Um, In the summer of 2017, I was part of a group that led a delegation to the U.S.-Mexico border at San Diego to investigate the influx of Haitian migrants in Tijuana. Um, You know, the stories that I heard were just really heartbreaking. Um, You know, we heard from and met um, Haitian women who'd made the journey through the jungle um, through Brazil and Colombia, um, through Central America, um, thousands of miles um, while pregnant. Um, we heard from folks who were quite literally on the brink of death um, that were, um, you know, faced violence, that faced, um, that encountered racism um, as they traveled um, through Central America. 
Um, and we heard from others that were saved by indigenous families um, who sheltered them and nursed them back to health and gave them money to help with the rest of the trip um, to the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, since then, um, since at least um, 2016, 2017, Haitian migrants have lived in camps along the U.S.-Mexico border with other immigrants, immigrants from other countries, from from South and Central America, but from as far as Africa, um, seeking entry to the U.S. Um, the difference here um, with this group is that this group of migrants all sought entry at this one specific point um, near the, with the Del Rio Bridge in Del Rio, Texas. And rather than assessing their asylum claims, the U.S. has adopted a blanket policy of turning them away or deporting them. Um, and not just deporting them, but expediting their deportations. Last I heard, there were roughly six to eight deportation flights going back to Haiti per day. Um, you know, like I think, I, you know, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that this is really a dark, grim stain um, on the Biden administration. Um, you know, I've heard them on the news. I heard um, Secretary Mayorkas say just late last night that they're, quote unquote, following the law by processing and deporting Haitian migrants. But I challenge them on this because under the law, the law allows for immigrants to approach a border point um, and ask for asylum. They're allowed to approach an officer and ask for, for and, and claim asylum, which is what you know, this group, um, you know, a large majority of this group attempted to do. Um, and of course, one could imagine with the violence happening in Haiti, with, you know, like with the earthquake, um, you know, the fact that Haiti was already one of the poorest countries um, um, in the world and definitely in the Western Hemisphere, um, that many of the, of the thousands of migrants um, have a winnable um, and legitimate um, asylum claim. Um, Anyway, there are a lot of groups um, supporting Haitian migrants. Um, the last couple of days, we've seen a lot of um, a lot of the mainstream immigrant rights organizations come out with statements, um, you know, denouncing what's happened um, with um, Haitian migrants. I'd say that you know all of their statements are denouncing ICE um, as though ICE is a separate agency outside of the Department of Homeland Security, um, and as though Joe Biden um, isn't their boss. Um, the president, the buck stops with the president. The president um, is, you know, he's the executive. He oversees the White House, but also DHS and ICE. So really, the the ball, and when I say the ball, I mean the lives of these migrants um, are in his hands. Um, and so, what can what can we do? Um, we can keep up the attention. Um, we can stay on social media, continue to talk and to post about what's happening. Um, the administration pays attention to this. Um, when things stay in social media, the mainstream media picks it up and continues to cover it. Um, we don't want this to be a case that dies down in three days, because at least for in, in our minds, because the reality is um, it's not going to die down for the folks that are impacted by this. Um, you know, if you wanted to become more active here in New York, 
There's a group called Haitian Women for Haitian Refugees. Um, we were hoping to have them on this episode. Hopefully they'll be able to join us for um, an episode um, in the very near future. Um, but I would direct folks to their website um, to learn how, you know, you can support Haitian migrants here in New York. Um, you can, you know, I'd encourage folks to donate to them because they do really amazing work um, for the most vulnerable of Haitian migrants. Um, I'd also um, direct folks to some of the national groups that are doing work, um, such as the Black Alliance for Just Immigration. Um, Nana Jumphy, their executive director, was on this podcast a couple of months ago. Um, there's also a group called Haitian Bridge Alliance, um, which does work um, on behalf of Haitians um, at the border. And of course, um, you should continue to tune into this podcast, um, where we'll continue we'll offer regular updates um, as news um, about this immigration crisis and just the overall plight of immigrants in this country um, continues to develop. Um, that's it for now. Um, until next time, um, and until we're all free, um, we're out. <laughs>